G'day guys, we're back with another crypto catch-up. I'm Ted and I'm here with... Chris. No, not not today. Not today. Yeah. Thank God we have the big man back. He's finally back. I said he might have left us after he got a bit too big for his boots. Pommy's back. Back to save the sinking ship, if we call it that. Mate, it's tough carrying the podcast on your shoulders. I tell you what, Chris came in, oh. gave it his best shot, but... And I think Pav might be back next week. Thank God. I need so, a break. Yeah, I know. You're looking I, a bit tired. I, just, I know you're a busy man these days. Yeah, I just like to pull the strings from behind the scenes. Yeah. You are a Jamie. Yeah. You do a good job as a Jamie. Pull that up, Jamie. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> pull that up, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, but I guess you're just keen to save people from the subtle yet squeaky tones of Chris Fennick's voice for, <laughs> for a week. But um, no, listen, honestly, yeah, I've actually really enjoyed listening to you guys. I think you've absolutely smashed it the last couple of weeks. So yep. yeah. Before we get into the serious stuff, I just wanted to shout out one of the coins that Chris actually mentioned on the potty was called Bob, uh, revolutionary coin according to Chris. Right. Um, uh, Elon Musk actually just called it a scam overnight and it's lost about 45% of its value. Right. And I uh, just wanted to also mention that I did call it a scam when we're on the pod. Following on the trajectory of most of his yeah, investments. Most of his investments. Um, so he's got a bit of work to do before we get him back on again. That's all right. So you're sitting him on the bench this yeah. week because yeah. of that. Back to the gym. Yeah. yeah back to the drawing board with Chris. <laughs> Tommy, talk to me. What's, uh, what's happening in the market? Oh, man. I mean, I was just speaking before about how bearish everyone seems to be over the last couple of weeks. And yeah. I think that's probably a big part of that is what's happening with Binance. I know we're going to unpack kind of some of that as part of the podcast today, but I'm bullish. And I'll tell you why. I'm always bullish, apart from, the, apart from the fact that I'm always bullish. We've pretty much seen, you know, Binance has 65 to 70% market share in terms of like the exchange volume and everything else in the market. Essentially, Binance have been like cut in half, slice and dice by everyone in the industry. Everyone is trying to jab at them at the moment. The SEC are out against CZ, their US entity. Their entities kind of globally are being attacked in, by certain jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. Look at Bitcoin. We've dropped from 27.5k back to 25k. At the time of recording today, we're back up to 27k. So while I know you guys covered it last week, a lot of the other assets that were kind of classified by the SEC as securities have kind of struggled to gain that ground. Mm. The shining light, or I guess the, you know, the number one asset in crypto is still kind of hauling pretty heavily. And now you're going to touch on kind of Bitcoin dominance as well yep. as part of this. So for me, that's a bullish sentiment in market. I'm going to touch on a story about some whales moving some Bitcoin around as well. It also kind of plays into that a bit later on, but Bitcoin's actually up 4% as of the time of recording in the last seven days. Like, despite all of this negative news in market, for me, that's what I'm looking at, right? Like, I'm not looking at the noise and, you know, the kind of macro effects. Yes, we have to take these things into account. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think it's just showing massive resilience. Like, we've been in this technical bear market for quite some time now. But yeah, for me, it's actually really positive. Fear and greed is back to uh, 49. For anyone that follows the fear and greed index, it goes from 1 to 100. We're pretty much bang, sitting in the middle, and it's actually started to recover over the last few days. So, yeah, I mean, that's very high level. I guess thoughts on the market. Yeah, today, what are you seeing yourself? I mean, yeah, just these events, I guess, go to show that Bitcoin is still the golden goose, despite, you know, people liking the look of other shiny projects, the layer 1s, layer 2s, liquid staking, but... Yeah, Bitcoin's still the golden goose and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, people have most trust when shit goes wrong. Yeah. People have the most trust to go like back into Bitcoin and, you know, like I said, I won't take your story away, but you're going to talk on like yeah. dominance. Well, there's so much decentralization, right? And I think that's something that the SEC has kind of touched on 
where like if something is sufficiently decentralized, it shouldn't be considered a security. And yeah, before the SEC came out and, you know, provided this hit list of tokens and yeah. projects that were basically- That's pretty much what it was, a hit list. Yeah, it was a hit list that they consider security. I know Gary Gensler has talked about that he does consider Bitcoin a commodity. And so it doesn't come under any of that, you know, security regulation. And so I guess Bitcoin holders can kind of, you know, sit back and take their hands away. And yeah, not worry it, about that. Yeah. At least, yeah. Sleep, it, it, it helps them sleep at night. Yeah. And it is quite interesting. I always, not that this is the right test to use for every asset, but I always think about it. How can you shut it down if you want to shut it down? Whereas Bitcoin is so, like you said, true decentralization. If a regulator wanted to come in and say, all right, we're shutting down Bitcoin, how do you actually do that? Mm. I guess you can enforce true exchanges and enforce true, you know, centralized platforms that do trade it, but you can't shut down the Bitcoin network. It's going to continue to run. Yep. People can self-custody and I guess it keeps the candle burning regardless of what the regulators decide to do with it. So, yep. And also the fact that they can't just come in and target an individual. So mm. CZ is a sitting duck. He's the CEO of Binance and that, you know, that whole group. You look at Ethereum as well, like you've got Talik. Yeah. He's kind of the, you know, the main man there and then everyone else is involved. So like there's some key property differences when you look at Bitcoin versus kind of other assets. But I, yeah. not to turn this into a Bitcoin maxi project uh, <laughs> podcast, but I guess there are some key kind of points of difference that people can find certain comfortability with there. Yeah. Yeah. And just to touch on the Bitcoin dominance, which you shouted out before. So Bitcoin dominance is at around 49, 50% which is actually the highest it's been in a couple of years. So the highest it's been since, I've got to start here, May 2021. And I don't know if you remember that, but that was a pretty a pretty juicy time in the market. Yeah. Us working at SwiftX were, you know, barely working and, and just looking at the charts and looking at our, you know, bags being pumped. But it was a time when Bitcoin was extremely strong and then that kind of was, yeah. was followed by altcoins taking over and having their run. So it's interesting to see this in a bear market play out. But it just goes to show you, like, Bitcoin is still king. Yeah, yeah, that, that hasn't changed. They often talk about, you know, the next Bitcoin. <laughs> Projects love to come out and say that they're the next Bitcoin. But um, realistically, to get to that level of decentralization, as you mentioned earlier, is just, it's time. Mm. Time and users is what it needs, right? Yeah. So Bitcoin's around now since, you know, 2009. No project is going to launch in 2023 or 2024 is going to get to that level of decentralization that quickly. Yep. You know, it does just literally takes time and market. So yeah, and also the number of people holding Bitcoin, so have held Bitcoin for over a year. So we've got a stat on our analytics pages, which we just launched last week. If you want to go to it, it's au slash analytics slash Bitcoin, just a bit of a plug there. But it shows that uh, holders, like wallets holding Bitcoin is at an all-time high. So people are hanging on to their Bitcoin and that's the same for Ethereum as well. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I guess just quickly talking about the markets as well, I've seen a lot of chatter around XRP and the case with the SEC. I guess <laughs> not much to report there, but I think a lot of people are expecting this to wrap up like any day now. Mm. When it does, it will set a kind of a strong precedent for you know future tokens being classified as securities or not, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But there's no actually clear data around that at the moment because I have been asked kind of, on the street, if you will, or oh, when is the XRP case going to wrap up? Because that's going to be you know one of the next key drivers mm. of the market. And I do agree, XRP is obviously, it's a name, an established and well-known project in the market, but it's, yeah, no clear date for that at the moment. So yeah. unfortunately, nothing to report. I'd love to be able to say that 
next Wednesday it's going to be kind of put to bed, but yeah, not clear. Yeah, I think there's a headline every week saying it's going to come to an end. I think that's been happening for the last it has, months. Yeah, so exactly yeah, right. there's no clear indication. There, there are people hinting that it will come soon, but at this point, yeah, just keep an eye on the news and or listen to the potty for your updates. That's it, mate. That's it. And you had some points on uh, Binance and SEC case tech. Yeah, so we've covered it a little, uh, well, actually a lot in the last couple of weeks, Chris and I. So I'm just going to touch on it a little bit because we're beating the dead horse at this stage. So last week we discussed that the SEC was trying to freeze Binance US assets, essentially to avoid a similar situation to FTX where customers couldn't withdraw their assets. But Binance US has avoided that by agreeing you know, with the court's to basically submit to... Ted. Tell uh, us what they're doing, Ted. Stop keeping me waiting here. Oh, mate, I'm just keeping you on your toes. So basically, they've limited customer spending and submit to expedited discovery regarding the custody and security of client assets. So they're just kind of like basically a middle ground of the two. They're going to yep. be a bit more responsible and for the time being with how they you know transfer their money around, particularly in the US. Yeah, I think it comes down to reporting and auditing yep. of actually their business activities. Um, I could have got that one off here a bit quicker, but that's all right. We we, we got there. <laughs> but but yeah, I think it's positive overall for the market. We don't have a situation where a regulator is stepping in and freezing funds where people can get their, you know, that's what scares people, right? The mm. fact that I've got my funds on an exchange, it's getting locked up. There's no clear timeline as to when I can get my value back or whatever it is. So, yeah. I mean, it all just plays into best practices in industry anyway. Yeah, Self-custody where possible is what people should be doing. If you're not doing it now and you listen to the podcast, learn about it, go on to SwiftX Learn. We've got numerous articles now teaching people about wallets, how to set them up, what ones are kind of best suitable and things like that. We plug it on the podcast all the time because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. If your business model relies on holding assets, that's probably not the exchange you want to be trading with or a platform you want to be trading with. So yeah, I think, you know, from our perspective and responsibility is about teaching people to get better at it and the user experience is a big problem at the moment mm. i've touched on this i'm not gonna um, beat the dead horse as you said like but user experience is kind of tricky when it comes to self-custody and mm. people are quite scared they're going to lose the keys and everything else and then my assets are gone so you know ledger tried to fix this problem through user experience and they got absolutely slammed but i guess another argument but um yep. yeah i think all these products will get better over time and yeah, hopefully people would start to adopt self-custody more often and mm-hmm. keep the assets on the exchange only that they want to kind of trade with and use for those purposes. So, yep. yeah. Good little call out. Let's jump into the top movers, shall we? What's there, mate? Interesting top mover list this week. So over the last seven days, we're looking at Trust Wallet is right up there. Yep. So I think you have a theory on that, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Yep. Sui is there. We got GMX, Maker, uh, Fraxshare, Phantom, and Shiba Inu's up there. So the Shiba Army are, you know, marching strong. So I wanted to, they are, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're cute. Wanted to kind of spotlight a couple here. So Sui, I think we've touched on the podcast before. It's basically a newer layer one blockchain yeah. that's designed to be- Do you remember when it launched about three months ago or something? Like yeah, it's real recent. It's basically designed to be faster and cheaper than the other- layer one so we're talking about ethereum solana cardano those real big like couldn't blue they, chip couldn't they have got a, a, a new selling point don't every single one of these layer ones come on say yeah. we're going to be cheaper we're going to be faster but yeah exactly that seems but to be I, the only thing like i know they got some good like, backers that you're going to touch on and yeah but it was basically created by ex-facebook developers so obviously some pretty big wigs there and they also raised 300 million from big name vcs as well so they got some big backers like you said yeah. but why it's up this week is they announced a new proposal that would enable liquid staking i know that's a yeah. crypto trader's favorite word liquid staking um so they announced they would enable that so they're currently working on that 
and they also signed a multi-year deal to become the official blockchain partner of the yeah, right. Formula One racing team, Red Bull. So I think they're currently leading the Formula One, Max Verstappen. Nice. You seen the show, mate? No, I'm not a F1 fan. Footy, footy takes it up for me, mate. Mate, neither was I. And then I think every man and their dog watched the Netflix show and now they're all Oh, really? Fans. I don't see it. There is a Netflix. Just watch season one and you'll be a fan, I guarantee you. Fair enough. Yeah. Just do it. Do me a favor. I can remember back in the day when I was playing Nintendo 64 with my mates. One of my mates was a massive Mike Schumacher fan and we used oh, yeah. to watch the F1 on Sundays. Yep. yep. Which would, that was kind of iconic. You know, Schumacher had yeah. his own documentary. Well, mate, he's the goat as well. He's the yeah, goat. He's the god. He's the god. But that's my only memory of F1. Never really got around it, to be honest. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's not really for me, but I think uh, once you look behind the scenes and yeah. get a bit of insight into how they kind of- Nothing like Talladega Nights. Oh, I'd say there's a little bit. I'd, Bobby. I'd say Ricky Bobby, you could probably equate to uh, <laughs> probably like a Danny Rick. Yeah. Danny okay. Ricardo. Right yeah, on. we like Danny Ricardo here. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. But anyway, this is a crypto podcast on F1 podcast, so we'll try and get back on track. Next year, maybe, if there's enough demand. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Let us know in the, in the comments. I, I actually, as you mentioned, kind of staking, I did want to call out just on the topic of staking. You know, obviously, Ethereum's upgrade and Chappelle has been live now for a couple of months. A lot of people, I guess, at the time when it launched thought ETH was going to, you know, hit the floor and the move to proof of stake was going to damage the reputation of ETH. There was a lot of wavering, I guess, ideas about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to call out the staking queue, which on launch was about seven to 10 days, is now up to 45 days. So Jesus. basically what that shows is demand, massive institutional demand mm-hmm. for staking Ethereum. So it will take you 45 days now from when you send your ETH to the Beacon Chain staking contract before it actually starts to earn for people. So not a huge detractor, I would say, but it just kind of, for me, highlights the institutional demand and the amount of people that are coming in, institutions and others to stake their ETH. So I thought that was quite an interesting stat. Yeah, I guess people have their own opinions on it, but for me, it's more of a bullish indicator than anything. You know, people are happy to lock up their Ethereum. It's only about a four to eight days is what you lock for. So if you yep. did want to get it back for any reason, it only takes you four to eight days to get it back. Yep. Yeah, for me, it's kind of a more of a bullish kind of long-term indicator on the project overall. So I just wanted to call that one out. So was that the same for if, you know, using a liquid staking protocol like Rocket Pool or uh, Lido Dell? No, they're usually instant because you're actually trading in and out of, or you're swapping in and out of their own token. There are some delays that I don't have the exact dates on that right now, but yeah, it's not the same kind of deal when you're dealing with a kind of a, synthetic derivative token of Ethereum versus Ethereum itself. So it is quite interesting. I mean, the returns on chain for ETH at the moment are about four and a half to 5%. So, you know, four and a half to 5% is a pretty good return on something, you know, for institutional holders holding big, big wallets full of ETH. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to continue to monitor that over time. It should find its equilibrium. Mm. Like, so that 45 days, I'd imagine will at least cut in half over the next kind of rest of this year, hopefully. But uh, yeah, it's a good sign on demand. Good stuff. And I just want to spotlight SHIB as well. So SHIB developers have come out. They basically announced that they're bringing out an announcement. So (laughs) an announcement of an announcement? An announcement of an announcement. So literally no news to cover there, but you know, people are, I guess, selling the or buying the rumor, selling the news potentially. So keep an eye on that. No idea what that announcement will be. I'm sure they'll have like a dog themed, you know, it'll it'll be dog themed in some way. Yeah, it wouldn't be like wouldn't be like them to have dog. Isn't there one of their staking token, Bone? Bone, yeah, we listed it. Yeah, listed it last week. Yeah. So yeah, classic Shiba, hey. Yeah, yeah, and mate, you had a story on uh, BlackRock. I think this is 
this is one that a lot of people are excited about in the market at the moment. What's, what's yeah, mate? There? This is probably the biggest news in the market right now. So yep. BlackRock has applied for a Bitcoin ETF, and why that's like huge news is BlackRock is the world's biggest investment manager, and so I know a lot of investment firms have kind of applied for this kind of Bitcoin ETF with the SEC and been essentially rejected. But BlackRock have an outstanding record when it comes to this sort of thing. I've actually got a, a stat here. There, if they were a boxer, they'd be five hundred and seventy-five to one. That's one ETF application being rejected. You know, a lot of people in the industry are looking at this as like the big players come in. I think you said something before about the wolf entering the hen house. The wolf entering the hen house. I like that. I like that. I seen that somewhere online. I thought it was a pretty good analogy of what's actually happening. It's just interesting timing. Like I know BlackRock has shown interest in crypto before, but given what's just happened with the SEC and taking action against you know those big exchanges, it, it seems like an interesting time to apply for that Bitcoin ETF. Yeah. Especially given they're applying through the SEC, who. Let's be honest, have a bit of a vendetta for crypto right seems, now. Seems that way for sure. But not Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. I can tell you exactly why they're doing it. Mm. They're doing it because they see an opportunity. Yes. Exchanges are not favored anymore. People are still want exposure to crypto. Sorry, more specifically, Bitcoin. Mm. That's why they're doing it. Like they're seeing a bit of a, I guess, a gap in the market or an opening for the wolf to enter the hen house. Yeah. So, like one of the big, big players to come in, one that's trusted in market. Yeah. One that has massive financial backing and then a record against the SEC, or probably not against the SEC, but a, re a record of approval through the SEC of what you said, 575 to one. Do you know what the one was that they got rejected? I actually didn't. I should have looked that up. I didn't find it. Apologies, Matt. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I just, it's quite interesting. I hope that's not a, you know, the precedent is that, oh, well, we can turn down BlackRock if we want. So we're going to turn yeah. down one, which yeah, is, uh, exactly. let's see how that plays out. And But it, I mean, I, I think overall it's a pretty bullish indicator for the market you know institutional investors and retail alike are going to continue to want we assume are going to continue to want exposure to crypto so you know new investment tools is always a good thing for me it's like we know we're getting closer to regulation and just getting closer to kind of a regulated products within crypto mm. is absolutely where we're going now if anyone doesn't think that's the direction that we're going in i think they really need to sit down and get themselves up to speed because yeah you know. well yeah it just gives that avenue for institutions i guess institutions are more likely to want to go down the traditional yeah. market route, but also getting exposure to Bitcoin. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen your 9.5 trillion is their assets under management as well, BlackRock, which um, is yeah. absolutely massive. I mean, the crypto, crypto market is about 1.1 trillion at the moment. Are we something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, 1.12 1 trillion as of, as of right now. So, you know, it just goes to show what, how small the market is and, mm. I guess, what could happen when you inject big capital into the market as well. So it's exciting times, Matt, for me, everyone, you know, I guess, you know, the kind of questions we're getting at the moment is like, when is the bull market? When do we need to start looking at crypto again? And I think for me, like you should have been looking at it over the last year when, yeah. when nobody has interest in it is when you should be kind of paying the most attention. And um, yeah, we will find a cycle. We will hit this new cycle and people will start to rush into the markets again as retail generally always do. And, mm. and when that time comes, I guess it's about being prepared and having a clear plan when you come in. So Yeah, I guarantee you I'll have all my friends saying, why don't you tell me to get in earlier? Yeah, that's right. right. And I've been telling them like, this is the time when no one wants to, when, you know, when there's blood in the streets, yep. get greedy. I think that's the quote from the great Something Warren Buffett. Like that. I think you butchered it, but you know, close. Apologies, Warren. I know you're listening. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess, you know, just to round out the ETF conversation, 
one of the, I guess, the most famous ones in the market at the moment is kind of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, GBTC. Mm-hmm. And long story short, it's been trading at a massive discount throughout the bear market. It's like 35% below its market value at the moment. So that's actually on the back of this news, this BlackRock news has actually recovered like 12% over the last few days. So it's still trading at a pretty heavy discount, but people do kind of assume that it's going to continue to close the gap on, on what its discount is. So mm. that's kind of, I guess, the most popular, the most well-known current ETF in market. Yep. But again, it's it's not tracking the Bitcoin spot value perfectly. Yep. What it needs to do is actually be converted. And this is what they've been trying to do for a long time into a spot Bitcoin ETF. So, yep. I mean, if that happens, it'd be really good for the investors because you essentially overnight turn your... 30% discount or 35% discount in your share or your product into a Bitcoin spot parity with the market. So mm. yeah, it's quite an interesting one to watch. To and that's what BlackRock's going for. Well, BlackRock are going for yes. that. Yep. But then I guess if BlackRock can get it, Grayscale will start pushing harder to try and get theirs converted to a spot ETF is yep. what people are talking about at the moment. Yep. So, cool. Yeah, it is a quite an interesting one. Good little news story there. Yeah, I think so. So, mate, I wanted to also cover on, I mean, we've we've spoken about the US regulatory landscape for so long, so it's nice to kind of, well, you haven't been here. Thank God. I was missing from the Leave me out to dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's look at the UK. So, the UK typically has more of a, you know, a crypto-friendly approach. The UK Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, is considered to be quite yeah. crypto-friendly. Like, he was the former finance minister, and he, I guess his approach was to kind of make the UK a crypto hub. Yeah. Especially since they're now out of Europe and, you know, where that leaves them in the scene. You know that, so, that, that crypto hub buzzword or flip. Yeah, yeah. Shits me. Mate, it's, it's so- Everyone obvious. is going to be in a crypto hub. Yeah. Head's a crypto hub. Pav's a crypto hub. Thank you. They're all crypto hubs. Steve. They're all crypto hubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. We got a bit of news from the UK. So, crypto laws enter final stages of UK parliamentary process. So, this law is proposing measures such as licensing crypto exchanges and imposing stricter rules on stable coins. Overall, the bill is an attempt to bring more stability and security to UK's financial markets. So not necessarily like the most bullish news in terms of, you know, them becoming a crypto hub, um, but they are moving to give greater clarity on crypto regulation, which is a good sign. And, and they're not, you know, they're not trying to take down the entire industry like we've seen from the SEC. So yeah, anything that has an opposite effect on the market or a more positive or a more democratic approach to regulations we're cheering for at this stage, you know? Exactly. Regulation by enforcement is what is happening in the US and that's the opposite to what we want. It kills everything from businesses to countries' GDP to innovation, right? Innovation getting killed is not what we want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we spoke about it last week. If the US continues this, they're going to be left behind, especially not just crypto but in tech because, you know, this is going to be a big part of the industry. Matt, I had, a, I had an off the cover that I read this morning that I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Bitcoin Whale removes 400 million in Bitcoin from Binance. That wasn't you, was it? No, it wasn't me. Definitely wasn't me. You wouldn't be using Binance. Oh, uh, no. Well, firstly, no. <laughs> um, let's not get into that. I just thought this was an interesting little story to unpack. Like, we have Telegram channels called like Whale, whale Watchers and Bitcoin Whales that people follow. I thought it was quite interesting, I guess, obviously, as the cases and the sentiment mounts against Binance to see some people. I mean, imagine holding 400 million in Bitcoin on an exchange for one. Absolutely insane. Like Ridiculous, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that 
how that was even a level of risk anyone would be comfortable with following FTX and everything else. But yeah, it's, it, I thought it was quite interesting to see. I guess why this is kind of important is it can signal certain things in the market. Mm. It obviously caused volatility when you remove such an amount of asset from a market. So less asset on exchange means the volatility can increase. Like we've talked about this in yep. previous podcasts as well. And I guess for me, with the Bitcoin having kind of less than a year away now, where's moving their assets into self-custody, which is, I think, what was assumed happened here. It's a bullish, again, another bullish indicator in my eyes for the market overall. So people are comfortable to have that asset in a place where they don't need to trade it mm. more frequently. Yep. They're happy to kind of hold it longer term or that's kind of what the, you know, it's easy to move crypto into an exchange, of course. But I guess this is this is something for me that signals that, all right, this Bitcoin whale in question is kind of more happy to sit it in self-custody, not have it you know, set in limit orders or trading orders or anything like that. Have it sitting in their self-custody and not have that direct access to it. So I thought it was quite an interesting one. And that's probably something for our listeners to take away is check out the Telegram channels. We might actually even post a link in the show notes to some of the Telegram channels that track the big Bitcoin and crypto. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, we've got something even better. So I mentioned the analysis pages before, which you can find on our website. We've actually got a metric there, which, you know, we've partnered with Into the Block, very respected crypto analytics company. So we partnered with Into the Block to basically showcase a bunch of metrics. And one of these metrics is large holders net flow. Nice. So it's basically showing like how whales are moving crypto around and the, you know, the transactions in these certain cryptos. So you can, you can go onto the Bitcoin page and look at, you know, the big spikes in large holders activity and basically correlate that to price and see, you know, when there's a big spike, does that result in a big price change and kind of not develop a trading strategy around that, but it's a good good piece of yeah, insight. Yeah, additional add. indicator to add to, Absolutely. Your, add to your arsenal, right? Like, yeah, so we'll chuck that link in the show note as well as the Telegram channels just cool. for people to go check out. Yeah. But lastly, I wanted to just touch on a, another cool story here. So ETHscriptions, have you heard of them? Just as you told me before the show. Yeah. <laughs> So there's this... I'm stuck in product now. I yeah. Follow the news as closely, but yeah. I'm trying. We miss Tommy. I'm here. He, he never comes for beers anymore. I miss the guy. Never did, but it's okay. Let's Blink if you're in trouble, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so ETHscriptions, essentially a tip of the hat to Inscriptions, which is a, a project by Ordinals on the Bitcoin network. We've spoken about it on here before. It's shot up in popularity, but... Ethscriptions is a protocol that was created by the founder of Genius, you know, the music website where they get artists to talk about their lyrics and stuff. It's, yeah, it's pretty interesting if you want to go check it out. But yeah, he founded it and within 18 hours, 30,000 Ethscriptions were created. So massive. So essentially what that means is is people are able to create and share digital objects on the Ethereum network. Usually that just means an image. And in this case, it's an image less than 96 kilobytes, which I spoke to our, you know, our video guy, Daniel, shout out Daniel before, and he said that's absolutely tiny and not a very good quality picture. So take that with what you will. Are the ones that sell best, don't they? When, when you're looking at- in Yeah, the- crypto punks are about three pixels on that. That's right. That's right. NFT of a rock sold for about $10 million back, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, like, that was me. <laughs> right. Yeah. You met it, did you? No, I just bought it. Looks like your kid drew it. It's currently sitting in my living room. Yeah, on top of the mantelpiece. Yeah, I'd say that. Just an iPad. Mm. What's it worth? No, twelve bucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's something right, something like that. Hey, but it's all sentimental. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Like as I read through and we spoke about this before the show, for me, I was just like, what's the difference between this and an NFT on Ethereum? Yeah, and I guess it is. You've broken it down. It is down to kind of the file sizes and the kind of restriction around that. So yeah, interesting to see if this is a trend that continues or if it's just kind of a flash in the pen. 
type thing that happens yeah you know on a, on a short period of time like people are already finished talking about pepe yeah you know at these kind of if you want to call it bear market into bull market type spikes in volatility around certain projects do happen from time to time so yeah for me it's like a short term can be a short term play yeah to get involved so yeah i mean ethereum already has nfts yeah whereas bitcoin didn't yeah what what problem is it solving is like yeah exactly it's where my mind goes to us it kind of just seems like a bit of a flash trend but hey, we're not potentially we're not the experts on this stuff so do your own research about eth scriptions and uh let us know what you think yeah yeah before we finish up, let's just touch on a few features that you've been working on as head of product, Tommy. Yeah, mate. I believe you guys called out the portfolio transfer on the last podcast. So I'll just, yep. just very quickly calling that out as well. Been getting some really good feedback on that, where you can transfer from a couple of exchanges directly to SwiftX, pretty much like a, a share transfer. So if you're on a share trading platform, move all your shares to another platform. So mm-hmm. SwiftX, we've built that first in market with a product like that, which is always exciting to it get is, some- It is awesome just for anyone out there. Yeah, listen, I wouldn't say it is the easiest process to follow to get it done because yeah. purely how you interact with APIs across different exchanges. Yeah. But it is as simplified as possible. So we've tried our best to make it as simple for possible for people. And yeah, some great results. A lot of people moving across, especially when just some kind of volatile news happening in the market at the time. So that's been really good and really exciting to see that. Transferring assets isn't exactly the easiest process yeah that's right either it can be expensive which we've covered all the fees for this for people and it's a kind of a manual one asset at a time process so we've made that into a pretty much select all the assets press a button and it all just it does it all for you so yeah yeah, it's it's definitely one i think it's one i'm hoping that will be copied in the market like we'll be the first ones to do it but it'll be it'll largely be a feature i think it's available in a lot of platforms yeah and if into the future but yeah we'll see we'll see how that plays it'll be a trendsetter mate trendsetter yeah it's it's great for anyone with like big you know portfolios and lots of assets within their portfolio on another exchange and and it's going to take you know it's going to be a very manual process of adding one by one but this yeah and we've actually built into it in a v2 we've built in the option of doing a test transaction where you can Instead of pulling your whole portfolio, which was the version one, mm. the version two actually allows you to select like a couple of assets to test, do your transfer, make sure you're comfortable with it, it lands on SwiftX, and then you can go back and do the rest kind of thing. So that's the cool. that's what we've built into that as well. Good stuff. Another one is a, a one that I'm actually really, really keen on is a simplified take profit and stop loss feature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, we're actually going to send out comms in a bit later this week, which is, which is really exciting, but it's... Long story short, it's an easier way to teach people how to take profit orders and stop loss features. So that will actually automatically activate once you have created a order above $6, I believe. There's, mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. I won't go into If you've done an instant buy on SwiftX, it'll actually bring you through the flow. It'll explain what you're doing at every step. And it actually shows you which, what people really like. It shows you what your profit will be. Yep. If you create an order, a take profit order at like 10%, 20% or whatever else. So yep. I've kind of pinned it to a couple of my friends. I was explaining it on the weekend. I've pinned it as like a spot trading futures type product, which mm-hmm. is, it's not actually what it is, but that's the easiest way to explain. If you're a, a margin trader, you trade long and short. It actually looks like you're putting on a long trade or a short trade to either take profit or um, kind of protect your assets. So Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. also just promotes like safe yeah, it, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's a best practice in trading, you know, to minimize your losses and take profit. Yeah. That's a problem, I guess, we've identified in the market is people mm. don't take profit often enough or they don't minimize their losses often enough. You know, yeah. people are are happy to hold on to their crypto, their bags of crypto until they go underwater 50%, 60%. So we're trying to 
create a new investing habit for people and make that kind of easier and more more user friendly because it can be quite daunting when you're when you're trying to get into it initially. Yeah, super um, important, mate. And then the last one I'll call out asset categories. Essentially, you can search by exchange-based tokens. You can search by layer ones. You talk a lot about layer ones. You can talk about AI-based tokens. So we've segmented all of your assets now into categories so you don't have to essentially search one by one for these assets on SwiftX when you come in and you're flicking through the asset list. So yeah, really exciting. Why I love that is because essentially if I'm looking at a coin, let's say you know an AI coin is pumping, yep. I'm going to go in and look at the other AI coins and yep. see if there's any movement there. Because typically, I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes together, yeah. they can move together. And so if you if you catch one that's moved, you know some of the other ones within that category might move. So it's just a good one to keep an eye on and kind of understand like the different categories as well. Like we've got some educational material yeah, within sure. the app so you can kind of learn about those categories as well. Cool. I think we've done it. Let's wrap it up. We've done it, Matt. We've done it. We've, oh, jeez. What an honor. Tommy's just pointed to me to wrap, give him, wrap the show. Give him the honor to wrap it up. It's usually what I do. This is the, the handing of the torch. Almost like, well, we got the Olympics coming soon, so we got to get used to that type of terminology. Yeah, it's only, what, eight years away? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so soon enough. Let's draw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, thanks for listening again, guys. We'll be back next week. I'm not sure. I think Pav might be back, so. Oh, it'd be lovely to hear Pav's. Oh. Little undertones. I can't wait. But listen, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure I'll be back soon enough when Tommy's, you know, off busy doing head of product things. Yeah, let us know what you think on socials and, and give us any questions that you want us to answer and we'll see you next time. See you guys. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 